Not everyone is your brother or sister in the faith, but everyone is your neighbor, and you must love your neighbor. Timothy Keller, a pastor of pastors. I love Tim Keller. It's uh, He's so good. So today we're going to talk about uh, a not controversial topic, <laughs> a topic that won't have polarizing views. It's all going to be smooth sailing from here. A topic that should not have polarizing views, but it does. Yeah. And the truth is that 800-plus refugees from Afghanistan are coming in the process of coming to Tulsa and maybe coming to a city near you. And so that's created lots of conversation, not all of it helpful. We want to really talk about what does the Bible have to say about this and how can we think as Christians in the midst of all of the noise about refugees. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise. Brian, how you doing? I'm great. How are you, Taylor? Not too bad. Have you seen Dune yet? No, but I'm 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 ready to go see it. I want to see it. My son and I want to go go watch it. It's good. I, I, it's really it? good. Oh, okay. It's really, really, really good. It's about these white people who come into this desert planet and take control over everything. <laughs> great. It's perfect. It's it's like Is that the it, trailer? Something like that. Okay. Actually, for those of you who have seen the movie, clearly that's that's not all that's about. It's what people are saying it's about. Right. It's about this white messiah thing. But yeah. if you've read the book and you've seen the film, that's not even close to what it is. Yeah. yeah. So, hey, we're going to talk about the inverse of that. We're going to talk about <laughs> a, a hot topic. Uh, yeah. we, we, we've, we've, we've talked about the rise and fall of Mars Hill and care and charisma and leadership and, and character. We've talked about Adele and the purpose of happiness and how we're made to know God um, as, as our source of joy and our source of happiness. So now we're going to get political. We're going to talk about refugees coming to Tulsa. We are. Uh, over 800 refugees uh, from Afghanistan will be coming to Tulsa. They actually don't fit the uh, definition of refugee. There's another word for them because because things there were crazy. And mm. so they didn't walk through all of the normal processes. But um, they are they are coming. Um, they're being sponsored and by Catholic Charities is bringing them here. Um, just so you know, I've gotten to know the um, head of Catholic Charities, uh, executive director, uh, Deacon Kevin Satoris, just a little bit. And I have high regard for him. Mm. And I'm very thankful that he's leading that effort uh, because I see him as a man of integrity, and so I'm thankful that he's there. It's also given me an avenue to ask some questions and get to know a little bit more about who is coming uh, for us. But you've got some questions kind of throw our way, and then we want to really unpack some big biblical principles that should help guide us in this. Because the truth is that we've heard lots of things, including that we should not welcome these refugees, right. that we should not allow them to come. And this uh, sentiment has been shared by both politicians and some preachers in our city. Yeah, and this hopefully will kind of provide uh, more nuanced answers. Um, in our culture today, it is so easy to politicize things that really shouldn't be political. Um, and for politics to creep into our Christian faith and kind of take away the gospel and kind of, I don't know how to say this 
without sounding like I'm bashing things, um, uh, make the gospel work for them. Yeah. As opposed for us spreading the gospel. You know what I mean? Yep. Yeah. And this is a practical question that people have been asking me uh, weekly of like, what do you think about this? Yeah. So we so hope do this we, helps. So, uh, so the, the big elephant in the room, do we even want to discuss the political practical questions that really shouldn't sway our hearts? Do we, do we even want to have this conversation? And should Christians have this conversation? Well, we're going to get to the really big Christian ideals in mm-hmm. a little bit that should be larger than what we're about ready to talk about. Right. But because there's these other lines that are often given for why we should not welcome refugees, yeah. I just feel like we need to just talk about them for a little bit. Um, But regardless of our answer, it doesn't take away what we're going to get to later when we unpack the bigger biblical principles. So here we go. Five questions that I think are on the tip of everyone's tongue, and let's unpack them real fast. So number one, are these refugees our responsibility? As Americans, I would say yes. Here's why. Every refugee coming to Tulsa, I can't say if this is true for everywhere in America, every refugee coming to Tulsa from Afghanistan uh, partnered, served, worked for the American government in some form or fashion, every single one, or, or every head of household at least did, and then they're bringing their family. So these are people that because they gave loyalty to us, their lives were in danger to stay. And, and I think politically, if we're ever to be trusted ever again, then we would definitely want to say, yeah, if if you serve us and put your life on the line for us, we take care of you. That just seems to be a smart political choice. But the larger answer is um, when, and, and we'll get to, we'll kind of touch on this for a little bit later, but when when the teacher of the law came to Jesus and said, you know, like, who's my neighbor? <laughs> right. That was the question of like, is everybody my responsibility? And Jesus lays out the parable of the Good Samaritan and gets to the end of it, and he does not acknowledge that question. He says, that's not the real question here. The real question is, who is the good neighbor? Right. And so when people say, are they our responsibility? I would say, everyone is your responsibility. The the question is, are you being responsible to every person that God puts in your path? When Cain said to God, you know, am I my brother's keeper? I mean, the, the answer is, yes, yes. you are. <laughs> and everyone is your brother. Everyone is your sister. Right. And so are they our responsibility as Christians? Yes. And to ask that question actually puts us on bad biblical footing hmm. because it means we're looking for a way out. Question number two, are they dangerous, these refugees? Well, historically, refugees have not been dangerous. Um, in fact, refugees are less apt to commit crimes. Uh, they're less apt to end up in prison. And you think about it, you come to a foreign land and you're trying to get used to things. How are you going to, what kind of behavior will you be on? It's kind of like when your kids go spend the night at somebody else's house and they're like, man, your kids are the greatest thing ever. And you're like, what? Be- be- um, there, there really is part of that of you go someplace new and you're on your absolute best behavior because you want this thing to work for you. Right. And uh, And so... Historically, refugees have not been dangerous. Also, historically, refugees have always been accused of being dangerous, and that goes back to the founding of our nation. It's just been different sets of refugees and immigrants coming that have been labeled as dangerous as a way to politicize against them. So is that to say that a refugee could not come and be dangerous? No, that could certainly happen. Somebody could be. 
So I think we need to be wise and smart, and we want uh, good things about that. In fact, Catholic Charities has said if, if a refugee is out of line, we have the authority to send them back to one of the military bases to decide what to do with them because we, we want everyone here to this to be a good experience for our community. So, um, yeah, that's the best I can answer that. Number three, but aren't they a burden to us economically? Again, no. Uh, initially, yes, for a year or two or three. And usually after two or three years, sometimes even a shorter amount of time, in the, in the historic refugee system, the refugees are putting more into the economy than they're taking out. And from that on through the rest of their life, they are a help to our national economy. Uh, refugees are more apt to start businesses. They're more apt to take chances because they've survived all of this. So they're willing to be like, I can, I can take a little chance starting a shop. shop. What's the worst that can happen? I get thrown out of a country and run for my life, you know? <laughs> it's like, no, it's not. It's just like I'd, I'd close the business. And so there's often this entrepreneurial spirit uh, within refugees that come that is good. And right now, just, and I know this may be seasonal, what's the greatest thing our economy needs? Workers. What? <laughs> and so at this moment in time, it could be especially valuable for our economy to welcome in workers. Now, there's lots of things about red tape of how can you remove the red tape to allow these people to work quickly. Right. And that's some government political stuff that we should be praying for and pressing our leaders to make way for them to have the right uh, visas and paperwork so that they can work as soon as possible. Question four, won't they water down our culture? I never know what this means, but it has been something said from some local Tulsans saying these people are going to tear down our culture and break our culture. And I, my, my first response to that is like, what are you talking about? A culture of inhospitality? Is that what you're worried about? Because that seems to be the culture you want to protect. Or are you talking about a white culture? Like, what, like really, what are you talking about here? I'd, I'd take offense to that question because America is supposed to be the culture for everybody. And for people who are coming here saying, this is the greatest chance I've had, those are the people that we want to be part of this culture. Question five, haven't they been forced on us against our choices and wills? Here's how it's worked in Tulsa. Um, Catholic Charities gave a number to the federal government of how many uh, of the Afghans we would accept. And the federal government said, can you accept a few more? And they said, well, no, not right now. Let us be faithful to these 800 and some and see if we can manage that well. And if we do, then we might take on more. So these folks are not being forced upon us. The local charities are the ones that are green lighting uh, Afghans coming. And that gives me great hope that this can work well because everybody's working together. And by the way, lots of faith groups are working together and lots of other groups in the city are working together. It's a huge endeavor right now to try to make this work and help these folks coming out of trauma and poverty and running for their lives, uh, but hopefully to integrate into our, into our society in a healthy way. 
Whew, you made it. There Five questions. Hey, we did it. We, we really do hope that those questions that you've probably heard, whether on the news or in conversation, the, these are the better answers that are available for us to, actually, to accurately and actually look at the statistics, the information, the, the knowledge that is out there, rather than listening to the political rhetoric and jargon of whatever echo chamber you find yourself in. We really want you to honestly and earnestly consider the right information so that you can have a better informed opinion about the refugees coming to Tulsa. So now the Christian side. Yes. Right? <laughs> so like you just addressed, oh my gosh, it's American history, statistics, who these individuals are, th- these are people who are coming. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but now the Christian side. How, as Christians, should we view and address this notion of refugees coming to Tulsa? Yeah, a, a few big things, because even if the refugees were you know, a, a, a burn on us economically and some of these other things, even if those things were true, hopefully our Christian ideals outweigh any of those things. And the first thing I just want to mention is, uh, and, and just ask the question, are we being shaped by the Great Commission? In the Great Commission, Jesus said, uh, go into all of the world, all of the uh, ethnos, all of the people groups, um, and make disciples of all nations. And so if Jesus wants us to go into all all of the people groups, then this is an opportunity for us to do that. And I've wondered if maybe not enough of us went to Afghanistan to mm. share Christ, that God's next plan was just to send them to us. I, I think it's helpful to try to think about these things from a really big perspective of not just our little perspective here in Tulsa, yeah. but what is God doing in the world? Because what God cares about is for all people to know him. So if God cares about that, could this not be part of his plan? Mm. And, and I know I have dear missionary friends who spent years in Afghanistan, and they are so uh, heartbroken that Many of their people are in in chaos and, and and hiding or are scared, but they're so thankful for the opportunity the church in America will have, and they are pleading with us, please love these people. These are people that we were willing to give our lives for, and now they're going to come to your neighborhood, and you have the opportunity uh, to love them, and maybe uh, maybe at one point they're going to do what First Peter 3.15 says. They're going to ask us, for the reason that we have a hope, mm-hmm. and we're going to be prepared to give an answer to share Christ with them. And so uh, people that have a kingdom kind of missional mindset are really excited about this opportunity for people to come to know Christ. So what about the great commandment? You'd already mentioned the parable of the Good Samaritan and Cain's excuse for not following or for not taking care of his brother. So what can we do? I mean, there's 800 and some odd refugees who are coming. Some are already yeah. here. So how how do we do the Great Commission to go tell and make and then to love our neighbor as ourself. How do how, how can we actually do that? Yeah, so uh, there's lots of practical ways that we can love our neighbors. And right now, our church, in fact, we're getting ready to, uh, by the time this releases, we will have had a public statement about it. But in encouraging people to find ways right now, going to Catholic Charities is the best way if you're in Tulsa. Depending on your city, it may be another organization. I think there's a 12 or 13 different organizations that, that are working with placement. But to go there, and so we have families who uh, are buying some items that are specific, uh, that will meet specific needs for 
um, filling up a house full of furniture mm. um, or uh, meals that are culturally appropriate. And so, oh, wow, I didn't uh, even think about that. Yeah. Yes, yes. And so and, and we've had people say, can we bring clothes by? I'm like, well, are they culturally appropriate? Mm. And like you realize that like these people have not acclimated to our culture at all right now. Right. And so it's not just about dumping stuff to them, but actually giving intentionally with wisdom. Uh, Catholic charity is not going to be served if we all dump our junk on their back patio tomorrow. Mm, right. So they have a great website where you can see, like, we need this, this many tables and this many beds and and these types of things. And so we have some people who are being trained to be caseworkers. Mm. And so it, you know, not in the classic legal sense, but basically if if I was your caseworker, then you move here and I make sure that there's someone that's teaching you how transportation works in Tulsa. How does the bus system work? Or giving you driver's lessons. And I find somebody that can work with you on what's it like to go shopping and how do you get food here? And somebody that could work with you maybe on English lessons. And, and so I'm kind of managing people in your life to be resources to you. I'm not trying to do it all, but we have people who are going through really thorough training for that, which is great. And I know housing, long-term housing is maybe the biggest need. Um, so I, I'm praying that some people who own houses in town um, would uh, think maybe I can tithe one of these houses, you know, mm. or in some way help one family get their footing in long-term housing, yeah. which uh, even with rent, the Catholic charity is helping pay that those rental fees. Right. The government does a very small amount for just a little bit, and then it, it's on the charities, and then we hopefully it's on the people, the individuals who are who are that. So there's lots of ways that we can love practically, and uh, and to get trained in. Uh, we have people going through how to be culturally appropriate, like how do you greet one another, what's considered okay and not okay, and there's lots of different things uh, to kind of think through that we would just would not, not have thought through culturally. So uh, there's certain certainly ways that anybody can be involved in that. So Exodus chapter one kind of comes to my mind as we discuss and, and, and work through all of this, but really this distinction uh, that we have, we can choose love or fear. Can you yeah. unpack that a little bit? So Joseph and his, as in Joseph with the coat of many colors, that Joseph, uh, he was in Egypt. There was a famine. So he brought his brothers and dad to Egypt, which saved their lives. And they were, had a great relationship with Pharaoh. Pharaoh gave them great land and they multiplied and generations went on and things were good for a while. But then a Pharaoh came to power who began to spread fear. And you can read it in Exodus 1 where the Pharaoh begins to whisper, hey, these Hebrews, there's too many of them. They're going to take over our culture. They're going to go to war with us. They're going to cause violence on us. We should not trust them. We should enslave them. And I think what we see there is if you want to brutalize people, start by spreading fear, even if it's not based in reality. The Hebrew people weren't going to have an uprising. They were thankful to live there, and they weren't planning some war against them. It was all lies that Pharaoh was spreading, but the lies were believed, and that led to brutality against the Hebrews. It led to enslavement. It led to the murder of children, hmm. awful things. And so when I hear people spreading fear about refugees, I immediately think, are you trying to do what Pharaoh did? I'm highly skeptical of what's going on there, especially if what's being said is completely unfounded and not true. I think that we can have cautions and wisdom 
about how to do this. That doesn't mean you're giving into fear. That means you're being smart. And so I want to make that distinction. But the, but the fear-mongering that happens so often, and that's what, uh, to my great chagrin, uh, a couple of Tulsa pastors slash politicians, mm, oh, yeah. <laughs> uh, there's a, some connection there, yeah. uh, have been saying, and, and I uh, just am very cynical about their motives and that why would you say false things about these people unless you have some nefarious motives in that? Uh, it, it really concerns me. It makes you think of the very first lie, if you will, of Scripture, all the way mm-hmm. back Genesis chapter 3, um, when we're told that the very first misdirection, if you will, the, the mm-hmm. questioning of mm-hmm. God is not his existence, it's his character. Yeah. So the final question, I think, which you and I talk about, I think often you and I yeah. have, have this have this repeated conversation, um, and I would think that I don't know about you, but I find myself having to be really aware of my own heart and my own thinking. Are we being discipled by Jesus or politicians and media? Yeah. Because the Christian perspective, because Christ's teachings, if you will, and the Christian doctrine is no longer at the forefront of American society. It's not being propagated from news outlets and media sources. Even on social media, the, the algorithms show us that contrition and arguments and fighting work so much better for, for those organizations than love and care and working together and, and spreading compassion and truth. Since that seems to be the, the dominant, if you will, massive echo chamber in America is fear. It is control. It is power. Is it possible for us, I'm going to use this quote from Carl Sandburg real fast, is it possible for us to love our neighbor as ourself and to leave up our fences? Hmm. Yeah. Boy, I don't think so. I mean, you think about how Jesus did not leave up his fences, figuratively speaking. You know, he he made himself vulnerable to people. And I just think, we look all through scripture and we see this call to care for people who most need cared for. Mm. Uh, and Isaiah 117 says, learn to do right, seek justice, defend the oppressed, take up the cause of the fatherless, plead the case of the widow. A few uh, pages later calls out uh, God's people uh, who have the power to change corrupt systems that fed off the poor, the fatherless, and the mistreated. Um, and then it talks about care for the foreigner time and time again throughout scripture. Um, Micah 6, 8, what does the Lord require of you? To act justly, to love mercy, to walk humbly with God. So there's the, the, the biblical command in scripture, hey, leave some stuff in your farming fields for the foreigner walking through just to have. And take care of them. We see this over and over. We see Jesus live this way. And so when we hear about a foreigner coming next door to us, our instinct first action informed by Christ should be, oh, I get to love them. Yeah. I get to care for them. Now, do I need to figure out maybe some wise ways and best ways? And sure, there's politics in all of that of trying to devise the best ways. And there's room for some disagreement about that. But there's not room in scripture to say, um, I'm going to make up some lies about these people to make you afraid of them, hmm. or I'm going to reject them, or I'm not going to care for them, or to say, they're not my neighbor. And at that point, we're being discipled by someone other than Jesus. 
Yep. And it's someone who probably has something to gain from our loyalty. And so instead, I want us to be discipled by Christ above those other voices. And my encouragement, just get really practical. Yep. If you're listening to a voice that's saying uh, immigrants uh, are a huge burden to the economy and they've been wildly dangerous to us, we know factually, and we'll put this in the show notes, some good links, <laughs> that is not true. And it is aimed to get you to be afraid and it, ha- it could be really dangerous. In fact, there was a, a man in Tulsa a couple of years ago killed by someone who continually ranted about hating immigrants. And it led to violence. And this man killed this person. So it's not just blowing smoke and saying, hey, uh, this could be really bad. It really could be really bad Yes. <laughs> when we share these kinds of things. So if you're listening to those voices, stop. Like cut them out of your media diet because they are trying to disciple you in a way that is not honoring to Jesus. And so I just think we need to call that out when we see that instead. Like how is Jesus discipling me? What does that do to my heart? So let's echo this back. As Christians, we are called to love our neighbors, and we don't get to choose who our neighbors are. So if you're listening to this and you're still going, eh, you know, I don't know if I if I agree with all of your answers and your statistics and the information. Well, Brian, we have some sources that people can check out and look at to see and to determine whether or not we're telling the truth. What are those sources? Yeah, uh, look up World Relief. They're a Christian organization that helps equip churches to care for immigrants and they do great work. I've been uh, friends with them for quite a while. Uh, Jenny Yang and Matthew Sorens wrote a book called Welcoming the Stranger that you and I have both read. And it is just has a a full factual data set if you like that, but also a really great study of scriptures. And we want to put those two things together and that'll lead you in, in some positive directions. And we'll put links to both of those things in the show notes. I'm Taylor. And I'm Brian. And this is the Echo Podcast. Where we are looking for truth in the noise.